The Lance Wall Now Show is coming at you live from the master himself, with a special broadcast taken from one of Lance's most recent appearances. Tune in and get ready for some major revelation. So you got the family over here. You got education taken over by the wackos. You got the government now trying to solidify its power. You got media and arts. By the way, I've changed my seven mountains because there is no journalism anymore. Even when I go to Tucker Carlson or I go to Dan Bongino, I'm going to hear my own opinion given back to me. So we don't have media anymore. We have opinion journalism. Everybody picks what opinion they want to hear more of. That's why nobody's getting educated. The other mountain I put over here is ever since Yuval Noah Harari uh, talked about how science is the new god. He's the weird little guy running around with Davos, the World Economic Forum. And he said, did you know that science is the new god? Well, how do you know science is the new god? Because when the scientists said shut down the churches and the mosques and the synagogues, they all complied. Guess what? Science must be the new religion. So I said, good, I'm going to give science and technology their own mountain. Science and technology and business. So I've changed it around. I've combined now media and arts because we've lost journalism. It collapsed over the last decade. Redefining the mountains. It's going to be church or religion, family, education, government. Media and arts is all persuasion now. It's persuasion information. Then we have science and technology as its own mountain and domain emerged over everything with COVID. And still business and banking is the anchor for every nation and global currency. Those are your seven domains. On the top of each of these you have disproportionate influence. This is where the gatekeepers come in. Let me ask you a question. Did God say or did he not say to Abraham, my forefather, you are the head, not the tail, above and not beneath? This particular visual ought to be of interest to you because it shows you what a head and a tail looks like. The head is on top, the tail is on the bottom, last I found out. The above and not beneath. So I think you couldn't have a clearer picture. That's why mountains are used so consistently in the Bible. The Bible says in Isaiah, and it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established at the top of the mountains. God's ultimate intention is that his law, his word, his teaching, his kingdom, his presence, his administration should be in families and in teaching and in communication and in law and just governing. Does that make sense? So these seven domains here, ought to be, this is going into all the world, we should be looking at those gates of influence. Because those gates of influence, I tell you, is where the gates of hell want to congregate. If they can put their people at those gates, then hell administrates over the earth through the gates of influence, and that makes perfect sense. Thank God we are told to be the head and not the tail above and not beneath, but I'm sorry to tell you that just like we're talking to you here, about rewiring how you think and why you're in the condition you're in and how you can change your emotions in your life by changing your thinking. And then what's the biblical background? As we're going on this, this journey, I want you to know that uh, the problem is the church, by limiting its vision of engagement, has limited your capacity for growth. Because you're not being taught to go into all the world and be the head and not the tail. You're being taught how to survive the coming tribulation or make it in the rapture. Ah. Let me say that again. I remember one time when I was in business, back in the oil days, when I was in the oil business, I uh, go to a client's house in Levittown, Pennsylvania, and I see a fish, beautiful fish, turquoise and ruby and gold-colored fins and long tail. And I looked at that, and I said, this beautiful fish, what's it called? In a little fish tank. And the owner says, that's a Japanese oranda fish. I go, Japanese oranda. 
how big will that fish go, get to? The guy says to me, oh, depends. I go, what, three inches, four inches? Oh, no, it depends on the size tank you put it in. Oh, well, what do you mean? He goes, oh, because you see, this is a 20-gallon tank, so it's only three inches. But in its natural habitat, it could be a foot long. I go, what? He said, yes, this fish grows to the size tank you put it in. Now, somehow, in the neurological, biological way in which God designed it, if it's got a limited space, it only grows so large because that's as big. And then, the Lord, I'm driving home. I'm driving down the Levittown Parkway, praying in tongues as I was back then all the time. All of a sudden, I'm praying, and I'm getting an interpretation. It's like prophecy. I'm going, Lord, what is about that fish? That's interesting. It grows the size of the tank you put it in. How interesting. There's a metaphor in there for something. The Lord goes, you're that fish. My people will only grow to the size revelation they swim in. Little revelation, little life. Big revelation, big life. I wonder how many Zuckerbergs and Dorseys and Spielbergs were in the church that were told they were to seek to be missionaries and seek the kingdom of God. And the highest and the holiest aspiration would be the pulpit or the choir or the children's church. When on the inside of them was movies and art and, they were, and the devil came along with a religious spirit and said, that's carnal and worldly and fleshly. So they had this competing commitment. Even when they wanted to do it, they kind of self-sabotage. Meanwhile, in the world, children of this world being wiser than children of light, they don't have the restriction of a religious spirit to deal with, so they just want to take over everything. So what you're hearing here is, if you've got a vision, and God's giving you a vision, and he's actually calling you the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, you've got to ask yourself, what mountain are you called to have influence over within your own community, within your own industry, within your own sphere? And why is it that you're not doing it? Well, I don't know if the Lord really wants me to be that. Well, well, you're supposed to be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. What other verses do you need? I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. How about that? Where are the gates? At the top of the mountains. But forget about the United States. Just go local. Go Phoenix. I would take this and say, my own little county here. Where's the religious spirit? Where, where are we here? How about the families here? What's the education system look like? Go to the school board. Find out who's the mayor, who's the legislator, who's your congressman. I want to know where the media influences are. I want to find out who's influencing the people that are in, in my own community. Who are, the, who are the influencers with technology? I want to know what's happening with the hospital, the medical situation, and what's coming from the government through that thing down here locally. And I want to push back through government and information. You see how the game works? I want to have all the money I can get. Well, I'm, I have a comfortable life. Money isn't everything. Well, you see, you missed the point. If God gave you the capacity to get wealth or create wealth, then you're going to be held accountable for the wealth you didn't access that was supposed to come through you because you were comfortable on the living that God gave you. It was never about you. It was about throughput. I didn't come here. I didn't even take an offering last night. I didn't come here because I got guaranteed 1,000 people. Sometimes I do. A lot of places I do. I say, well, how many people are going to be there? You know why? Because I reach more people uh, with a microphone in a studio than I do in a meeting like this. If I was doing this online, I'd have 30,000 people, an arena. But I'm doing it here because God told me to come here and talk to you. And then he tells me to come here and not even take an offering. So I skipped that last night. Why? Because it is about the money. I'm already in the hole coming out here. It must be God's doing something.
But here's my point. I'm thinking in terms of this picture here for Phoenix. You must be the people God's going to use in your little corner here in that quadrant of Phoenix you're in. The house of God becomes the focus of Cyrus. Go build the house. I'm showing you the sequence of what happened in Israel. When Israel came back, this is the sequence. And this is the sequence God's doing in your day right now. There's a battle over who's going to be in office as a Cyrus because it's going to affect the building project of God for his house. But I'm saying the building project of the house, one over here, has got to expand through two, through seven over here. That's where the ecclesia comes in. Boom, let me show you what this looks like. Wherever two or more are gathered together in my name, there I am. We need for God's ecclesia, our people, to come together in these spheres of influence and say, Let's not compete for a moment. Let's be kingdom people, and let's join together and pray that both of us take over real estate. Let's pray that both of us take over the medical profession. Let's pray, what are you called to do? What am I called to do? I think we should be the head and not the tail. So how about we work together in this mountain? And let's, and let's, let's create a little mastermind between us and find out what God's doing. Let's, get, let's see if we can join God in what he's doing, because if he brought us together, then he's got a plan for how to take that mountain, and God will show us how to do it. It's a whole different way of thinking. Your, your job, listen, it's a, it's a different way of thinking. Then the next thing I say is this. It's a daunting task, taking on the gates of hell, going up those mountains, especially since they're so well fortified and oppositional right now. I don't even want to do it. Lawyers can lose their license to practice law. Counselors, if they don't tra affirm transgender stuff, can lose their license. The devil is now making you bow the knee to their orthodoxy or you will be unemployed. What happens if a natural disaster takes place? We have these weird tornadoes that hit in the Midwest and in Texas, but look at the hurricanes in Florida. People can literally have their uh, houses flooded or they're in a situation where they have no food or access to groceries. Everyone needs at least a four-week emergency food kit. And fortunately, My Patriot Supply has created a four-week emergency kit. And these products will last for 25 years. The interesting thing is they give you a 2,000 calorie per day uh, meal. And that's the key. Delicious and 2,000 calories a day, because that's what you're going to need to sustain yourself for four weeks in a crisis. We had the, uh, a winter freeze here in Texas, of all places. And we had a couple of days where we had no electricity. I'm telling you something, this makes a huge difference. Mushroom rice pilaf, fluffy rice and mushrooms, seasoned with red wine and herb. And then how about starting the day off? Maple Grove oatmeal, old-fashioned oats, maple flavoring with a pinch of brown sugar. This is what you want to do. Four-week emergency food kit, and that's just for you. Think about your children. Guarantee somebody around you is going to need help. You're going to want to at least have the four-week emergency kit. Go to lancewalla.com forward slash patriot. Use that link and you're going to get a special discount on their special four-week emergency kit promotion. I understand that, but here's a different paradigm. How about this? How about we're not fighting to take territory because the blood of Jesus already bought it. You see, the blood of Jesus bought the whole field. He bought it. Satan was cast out. The whole earth belongs to Jesus now. All power in heaven and earth has been already done, given to me. Now you go, and you go start to make disciples of those nations. He put a target on us like bait nations.
and uh, find out what part of that nation you're called to influence and take. Because all the power was transferred to me. Lucifer doesn't have it. Oh, he'll try to use his present position. And that's why the children of Israel were given the inheritance of the promised land and had to fight 44 battles to go occupied. You're going to have battles to occupy what was already given to you because the devil's not going to give it up easy, but he's already lost it. So what you're really doing is you're not going into the business community in order to fight the devil to take territory. You're actually going in as liberation forces to receive back what the blood of Jesus already bought. It's a totally different paradigm. Stretching in the end time ways of the Lord, coming back, the Antichrist, the whole system is going to collapse. Who wants to fight? Versus God called us to be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. I'm going to stand before him and give an account of my life. I'm not going to be apologizing because I was hiding out. I'm taking ground. Why? Because the blood of Jesus already bought this. It belongs to him, and I'm liberating it from Satan's control. It's a different paradigm. But the way you frame something, like the fish tank, determines the size power you're going to have. If it's everything's a little battle with the left, you're going to have exhaustion. But if you see it as already bought by the blood of Jesus, and God's gone before you, and he'll show you what to do next, just go on the adventure. And God starts to give you territory. I pray this gets into your spirit. So what you got to do is you got to have a strong apostolic church like this, an apostolic center or hub. And then the new paradigm is the church here is the apostolic church, give it the A, and it deploys people into the community, just like in the military, to do what? To establish a perimeter of apostolic authority for the kingdom to come down. And instead of focusing on our numbers, our building problems, which is the problem in America. America's biggest churches are all narcissistic. They're focused on their growth and their mission and, uh, and blessing their people and, and their staff and their square footage and their budget. What they should be focusing on is the actual spiritual condition of the community surrounding them. But you see, apostolic hubs do that automatically. These are the Davids that are going to take over Saul. I said it last night. God's going to have his own kingdom rising up. These are the new innovators that are going to begin to compete with the old guard. Because where there's believers that are willing to train and equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, and your work isn't defined by in here only, this is where you serve. Out there is where you're assigned. I want to go with you, two or three, into the medical community. I want to go into your office, sit there, we're going to have a prayer meeting, and ask, what is God doing here? Because you're the ambassador. I was working in the oil business way back when. I told you, but I wanted to get into ministry. And God said, you're in Bible college. I said, I want to go to Bible The Lord said, you're in the supernatural school of the Spirit. I said, what am I learning? How to do business supernaturally. They'll love the course once you learn it. I said, well, I'm, not, I, I'm just one person in this corporation. The Lord said, the lowest ranking employee, if you're the only Christian, is the highest ranking spiritual authority in the building. I said, what if I'm a janitor? The Lord said, yeah, now you're getting it. The lowest ranking person in the hierarchy, if they're the only Christian, is the highest ranking spiritual authority. The Apostle Paul was traveling on a Roman ship, prisoner class, not even first class, chained up with all the other prisoners. Then you have the workers on the boat. Then you have the elites on the boat, the owner, the centurion, and the high-ranking soldiers. Poor Paul was back there in coach in front of the bathroom. 
You ever traveled? You know what that seat's like. However, he's on his way to Rome. Little do they know, their entire destiny is attached to the lowest ranking person on the ship who's the highest ranking asset heaven has. So he says to them, sirs, you're on a journey right now, but if I was you, I would not go. I perceive that this voyage is going to be with much loss of cargo, possibly our own lives also. Stay right where you're at. Well, they decided to have an election. They had a vote. They met together with the people that were working on the ship, met together with the, uh, the uh, centurion and the owner of the ship. So they got together the elites that had, you know, uh, the most influence, and they took a vote and decided they were leaving. Overrule the religious advice of the a fanatical rabbi. Paul, unfortunately, now knows his life is in jeopardy because he's stuck on board their goofy ship. That's what I feel like with the Biden administration. I'm in the back seat with a drunk driver in a clown car. That's why this revelation helps me. Well, the Apostle Paul, now, they're, now, they're, now the storm hits. Oh, what happens? You enter into the world of Haggai. I told you, read these books. You enter into the world of Zechariah. You enter into the world of Esther. You enter into the world of Nehemiah. You enter into the world of Ezra. Why these books? Because these books shall be opened, the Bible says, with special revelation now, because we're entering the era when these books apply, and this is what happened in Israel when they returned to their land, and now that Israel's back in the land, coming to the fullness of its maturity, it's the time when these books are being opened. Well, Apostle Paul's on board the ship. Now they're losing cargo. Their economic interests are being thrown over to survive. Now they haven't seen light. And day. They're in a storm they can't get out of. Perfect storm. They know their lives are in danger. They're all fasting whether they believe in God or not. Paul comes up, buoyant, rocking around, grabs hold of a, the mast, says, Sirs, I've got good news for you. And he proceeds to tell them an angel visited him last night. And the angel told me that I've got an appointment in Rome and that I've got to get to Rome. I'm like the FedEx package and I'm about to be delivered. And the Lord told me, from now on, I've been with you, knuckleheads, but now you're sailing with me. That's good news, because I'm going to make it. Now, basically, what I saw is an island of some sort. I don't have a full vision. We're going to hit some land somewhere. This ship ain't going to make it. But be of good cheer, because not one of you is going to die. And the most important thing you're going to walk away with isn't your money, it isn't your ship, it's your life. I've taken care of that. Well, what are they going to do? It's the only news they've got is good news coming from the fanatic. And then he adds this, like any Jew would have to say. Didn't I tell you not to do this? <laughs> Didn't I say don't do this? You should have listened to me, huh? Yeah, I should, huh? Uh, we'll forget about it right now. You read it. He's, he has to remind them of the obvious. Didn't I tell you? Uh, it's okay. So Jewish. Now, I'm saying to you that that breakup of the ship, going to give you like your two sermons in one. The ship leaves, and they should have stayed, in my opinion, with Trump and not stolen an election. But they didn't. Nobody wants to fight it. Church doesn't even want to back it up. So, all right. Now, the ship is caught in a storm, and it's, and it's, 
breaking up cargoes going into the ocean over here. Our lives are in danger. We're, in this, we're heading into this second part here, which is where the storm gets worse. By the way, the prophet Haggai comes along to the church to say, what are you doing in Jerusalem? I'm about to shake everything that can be shaken. That whole verse on shaking everything that can be shaken is an 80-year-old prophet going to a church in Jerusalem which follows Cyrus but didn't do what Cyrus said or what God wanted, which was rebuild a house that has power for the nation. We just went and rebuilt a house for our own business enterprise. Then COVID shut it down. So God said, all right, forget it. So now you got this. Then the awakening. The awakening is happening right now, I'm convinced. There is a spiritual awakening happening. Whether you realize it or not, you're more awake than other people. There's a spirit. Why? Because God's talking to you about where he's taking you, where you're going, and you have hope. Like the Apostle Paul. He had hope. I guarantee, while that ship was going through the storm, people had two choices. Either believe what the prophet said or uh, suffer. But if they believed Paul, at least they had hope because he said they're going to make it. So here's where we are now. Haggai goes and prophesies, you guys better start building the house that God called you to build when they start to get back on the building project. The Bible says, and the Spirit of the Lord stirred up the remnant. That word stirred in Hebrew, you are, is awakening. The awakening happens to the people that get into God's building project. And that's why I'm telling you in your business, it's okay for you to want to be the head and not the tail in your business. You can sanctify your, your drive. Why? Because you'll, God will give you an awakening while you're building his ecclesia in the marketplace. That's where his house is. His house is no longer just here. He wants to be able to have his presence all over the place. Go into all the world. All power is given to me. Make disciples of nations. That's what the LGBTQ community is doing now. Let it be an insult and an affront to all of us. Well, we don't want to be pushy. We want to be careful. We don't want they're accusing us of trying to push our religion. Oh, we'll take our Ten Commandments down. We're battling over the Ten Commandments. Meanwhile, as soon as they get in, everybody gets indoctrinated. They're, they put up their Ten Commandments. They're, they're, you're not a boy or a girl. You're a fluid person. You're going to use this kind of language, too, and you're going to be doing it this way. And they're going all the way down from college all the way down to the kindergarten now. Because they're evangelizing in the classroom. The very thing they accuse us of doing, and we're no Christians sitting there going, hey, 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 they're doing, we haven't even made the connection yet. They're evangelizing and getting people filled with their spirits. Love to see a whole bunch of teachers suddenly go crazy Pentecostal. Okay, kids, we're going to anoint you with all today. We're going to have visions and dreams. I'm going to talk to you about getting your sins forgiven. By the way, don't talk to your parents about this. It's not safe for some of you because they don't know Jesus, but you're going to have an experience. This is what they do. It's not safe for you to tell your parents what we talk about here because we're the people that are safe. They're, they're, they're like in the dark. Imagine if we did that. Oh, my God, they'd be freaking out. This is un-American. This is a violation of the boundaries of the church and state. Don't get me going. <laughs> Too bad. Cyrus, house, awakening, occupy till I come. I want you to go to the gates of influence and start to say, what, where's the head I'm supposed to be sitting at? Gates of influence, rebuild the walls. This is the Nehemiah Ezra company. If you don't mind me saying so, we got the C-H-A-O. Always for occupy. It spells the acronym chaos because chaos is exactly what is happening during the storm stage. But what's God using the chaos for? To position us if we will respond properly because it doesn't stay in chaos. The ship goes down 
and they end up in a whole new territory called Malta. On Malta, Paul takes over because the system is so bankrupt, it doesn't function. Governments running like, like the fire department and the police and the mayor in Maui. They don't know what the H they're doing. But the church should. And so the Apostle Paul, as soon as he lands in that new territory, soon as that new stage happens, Act 1 is don't do it. Act 2 is you're doing it. Act 3 is I told you so. But it's a new day. Malta is why they're rebuilding or getting another economic ship. Paul has his face in the future. You know why America will not be destroyed completely? Because it has an unfinished assignment. Why would God spare America? Is our little America so different than Germany or the Soviet Union or China that it can't be taken over by principality and just tortured? Yes, it is different. Because there's something in America that was in its original assignment that is not yet complete. And we're coming into the period of the Jubilee period of time where God's going to do some resetting of the original assignment back. God ever promised us we're going to have massive prosperity and freedom. It just came to us because of our assignment. Well, if we disobey the assignment and pick up another assignment, we are incurring the wrath of God, but we don't even need the wrath of God. We just have to live with the consequences of our own stupid decision-making. But God hears the prayers of his people. Malta is the period of history in the United States when the shaking is at such a level that it changes the whole topography of what happens in cities and states. In Malta, the Apostle Paul is picking up a bundle of sticks, and, they, uh, and because of the heat, a viper comes out and fastens on his hand. I said, well, Lord, I believe everything in this, just like with Cyrus. I think everything here actually has, has revelation for the last days. The Lord says, absolutely. Media is going to attack the move of God in the next stage. Because everybody looked at Paul and said, ooh, he must be really bad. Oh, he's a white supremacist, Christian, nationalist, Jew hater, whatever. The viper, possible. And what happens is the moment that Paul goes into that new territory, the principalities in the spirit realm in that new territory manifest through whatever vehicle they've gotten. The vehicle they had there was a poisonous snake. Poisonous snake that if it bit you, you blow up and die. Well, everybody sees Paul, bit. Paul shakes it into the fire. It's like, boy, one thing after another in this calling, I'll tell you. This one, the shipwrecks got this. The, and he's just trying to pick up sticks. He's not even acting like, hey, I'm the guy that delivered all of you. He's like, oh, let's go to work and get a fire going. They start watching him. Now watch the beach. Beach crowd is watching with fascination. They're going, he got bit. He got, they're waiting for him to go, boom, and white froth come out of his mouth. And Paul sees the crowd, and he's like, hi. He's like, and he knows. I got this island, I guess, guys. I know what this looks like. I know what that feeling is. I think we got a church coming. Next thing you know, they start going, you are unique. Everyone else would die by now. And their opinion changed. He goes from being the target and the villainy of media saying that he's poison to being he's supernatural. The politician that's local wants to talk to him. Government isn't your enemy. Government's what you got to take over. So calls him in and says, my father-in-law's dying. I hear you uh, got bit. Yeah, right there. You got ah, no problem. Will you go like 
Do something? Sure. Paul goes to the father-in-law, lays hands on him, Holy Ghost healing. Bam! And uh, it's interesting to me that the gifts of the Spirit that were manifest on board the ship was prophetic word of knowledge and discerning of spirits. But they're all revelatory gifts. That wasn't happening now. You know what's manifesting? Healings, miracles. The third phase is going to be demonstrated miracles in front of the crowd. Right now, God's talking and people aren't listening. Well, judgment's coming. Then, miracles and manifestations of God's mercy. So now they're on the island. Well, what do you think happens? Once the father-in-law Publius gets, gets healed, once they start bestowing many honors on Paul, after they don't know what that is. They think he's half deity. The guy gets bit by poison serpents. He's healing people. Everybody wants to hear him. Paul's got his apostolic church, and all the Roman soldiers, I guarantee, are nervously looking like, what the heck's going on here? And everybody that's working on board the ship, even the prisoners, are all in Paul's congregation. Well, when the new ship comes, what did Paul tell them? I have an appointment in Rome. Let me come back to this. America has a destiny. You have to continue to believe that the unfinished assignment that's on America is going to be finished in America to the world. Our assignment wasn't for us. Our assignment was to preach liberty to the captives. America will still have that grace upon it. Might be a great missionary move coming for the church here to uh, have its unusual role in other countries. Because what I want you to see here is, I didn't mean to go over this far, but Cyrus, build the house. I'm saying the house is the ecclesia in the seven realms too. New kind of church, apostolic hubs. The awakening comes to those that are on the building assignment. The goal is to occupy. We moved to the gates and the walls. Nehemiah and Ezra re basically rebuilt the gates, occupied, and restored the walls. What happens after that? The last word of the acronym is S. S stands for you're either going to be a sovereign nation or you're going to be a slave nation. A slave nation is going to be the goat nations. The sheep nations are going to be sovereign. The difference between the two is the sheep nations, Jesus said, but he gathers all the nations before him. He separates the goats on one side and the sheep on the other. And the definitive word that describes the difference between nations is it their language or the pigment of their skin or their denomination. It's how they treated his people. So when he returns, those as much as you've done to the least of these, my brethren, meaning his disciples, his people, you've done it to me. Evidently, there's going to be places, there's going to be spots in the earth where the uh, wholesale persecution of, of the Jew and the Christian isn't going to be embraced. Now, I know this isn't in your theology, but that's because we never had an accurate theology for the last days. Because if we really believed that such a thing was possible, we wouldn't give up on nations so fast waiting for our rapture out. Looks like you've been sleeping well. Megan, he's back. The my pillow guy. And you're looking good. I'm still feeling good. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, we've got the best pillow ever, my pillow 2.0. <gasps> when I invented my pillow, it had everything you'd ever want in a pillow. Well, now there's new technology that makes it even better. My Pillow 2.0 has my patented fill combined with a cooling fabric with temperature regulating thread. My Pillow 2.0 is truly the next generation of My Pillow. Now's the time to go to mypillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use the promo code to save 50% on your My Pillow 2.0. Not only that, for a limited time your entire order ships absolutely free. You're sleeping even better and cooler too. And you're looking good. Feeling good. I knew you would. MyPillow.com
Go to MyPillow.com and use promo code LANCE to save big on all of Mike's best products. That's promo code LANCE. Did you enjoy this latest episode? Please remember to share it with your friends, because the more knowledge you have, the better equipped you are to navigate the world.